By way of introduction today, I just want to say it's good to be uh, back with you this morning. I've been enjoying some vacation time and also a Pastors on Point trip in Colorado, the same trip that Pastor Ron went on last year where um, uh, it's uh, specifically for pastors to discover and kind of focus on your motivational abilities, finding out what it is that you really do best and then focusing on that. And for me, it was just a real affirming time. Uh, sometimes you go and it's specifically for you. Other times you go and you have the opportunity to minister to others. And it was really neat to be a blessing to some of the other pastors that went, some who were younger in ministry and just starting out and had questions about things. And so it was really a very valuable time. And uh, one of the things that uh, they said about me that's pretty obvious is that I love to watch things grow. I love to build a ministry and to see change in people's lives and to see a church grow and to see individuals grow and take steps of faith. I love things like seeing our students take those new steps of faith in their life and see God use them because I am just so committed to raising up laborers for the harvest and to see people uh, come to know Christ and then begin to grow in that relationship with Him and discover their gifts and ministry. So it's a real joy to be able to continue to uh, see that happen here in our church and in our community. And I'll share some more things as we go along uh, in the weeks to come. But it was a very valuable time, and I thank you for your prayers. This morning we're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 2, which is really the call of a parent to his son to listen to the Word of God and to apply it in his life. I want to read part of it for us as we begin. Proverbs chapter 2. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you by turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come come knowledge and understanding. And he holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just, and he protects the way of his faithful ones. Let's pray. Father, as we consider these things this morning, especially those of us who are parents and grandparents, we think about our children, our grandchildren. We want them to walk with you and to know you personally. And Father, I pray that we would take these words to heart as we consider the rich promises and blessings that come from Scripture. And if we are a student or a child, I pray that we would take to heart also what this word has to say in terms of listening to our parents listening to teachers, listening to those who point us to Christ, that we might learn from the Word and learn from their experience and profit by it. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. And I believe that every parent would like to save their children some of the heartaches that life can offer. And every parent would like to see their children walking with God in a growing relationship with Him. Every parent would like to see uh, their children have a faith that is real and dynamic and, you know, just something that, that is strong. It's not where they are riding on their parents' coattails, but where they have that first chair experience with God and are growing in their relationship with Him. 
But how does that happen? I mean, you know, we could desire that, but how does that take place? Uh, this past couple of weeks, you know, as we've had our sons at home, we've been talking to them about where they are at spiritually and their plans for the future. And it is a great joy to see them walking with God. Most of you know our two older sons are in seminary and been here recently, went on this Mexico mission trip. And I tell you, that's one of the great delights in my life is to see our children walking with God and growing in their relationship with Him. But if you ask them why that happened, they too would freely admit that it is by the grace of God. We have tried to do some things right in terms of pointing them to the Scripture, giving them opportunities where they could serve God and see God work in their life, and we've encouraged them all along the way. But there is also a humility in that as parents, and that we realize that we can't make our children do something that they don't want to do. We can encourage them to take steps of faith. We can teach them. But every child is responsible for the things that they have learned. They need to apply these things in their life individually. And the writer of Scripture knows that. And so, as we come to this passage, the writer of Scripture here is appealing to his son to listen and to learn from what God has said here. Proverbs 2 is a call to wisdom. It is an alphabet poem. If you were to look at the structure of this, it's an alphabet poem with 22 verses, one for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, sometimes in Scripture, like Psalm 119 or Proverbs 31, each of those verses will begin with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Well, that's not true in this case. Instead, what the writer of Scripture has done here is he has six stanzas in this poem. And the first three stanzas all start with Aleph, or the letter A in Hebrew. And the last three stanzas all start with Lamed, or the letter L in Hebrew. It's the beginning and end of the Hebrew alphabet, if you will. It's the first half and the second half. And the point that's being made here is that God's wisdom is all-inclusive. It touches every area of life. We might say from A to Z. It covers everything in between. And so he is sharing this word with his son and he is appealing to him to listen, take this to heart and put into practice what God has said. The first stanza is the call to wisdom. The next five share the blessings that come when we listen to what God has to say in our life. And what does he tell us here? He begins in chapter 2 by telling us that wisdom is a treasure hard won. Wisdom is a treasure, hard won. What does the Scripture mean by that? Well, it tells us very plainly that wisdom is a gift from God. We can't find it apart from Him. Yet it requires effort on our part to discover it. If you look at these verses and you think about the words that the writer of Scripture uses in verses 1 to 4, it reflects that. He begins by saying, My son, if you accept my words... If we're going to hear what God has to say to us, that word accept then implies that there needs to be a humility. There needs to be a teachable heart. You know, if somebody comes to the Scripture and their heart is hard, it's going to bounce right off. They're not going to hear it and understand it at all. But if we come with a humility that wants to hear from God and wants to learn and apply these truths to our life, God will speak to us. 
He says too that if you will store up my commands within you, that word store up kind of sounds like you're putting something away in the pantry or you're uh, stocking up the shelves here a little bit. It's an understanding that there are things in life that we may be learning at the present that we don't need to, uh, that we may not be applying right now in our life. They may be for a future time, but that's okay. When we teach our children to memorize Scripture in Awana, some of that has great relevance right now, and some of that may be just storing away God's Word in their heart that He's going to use later in their life in those teen years or when they are adults. There are times in our life, for Gail and I, where we, uh, before we were married, took a premarital class because we wanted to learn about marriage and husband and wife relationships. We had a parenting class before we had children because we wanted to begin to lay a foundation that could help us as parents in understanding how do we do this as a Christian couple that wants our children to come to know the Lord. There are things that we may learn in life prior to the time when we actually use them. And God says, that's good. Store those things up. Treasure them in your heart. Take it to heart. And there will come that point in your life when God will use these things and be a blessing to you. You go on in these words, he says, if you will turn your ear to wisdom, turn and listen, if you will apply your heart to understanding, if you will call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you will look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will find. You see, all of these words express the need to work at our faith, to dig and to go deep. This isn't something that's casual. This isn't something we can be apathetic or indifferent about. If we really want to grow in our relationship with God and become a person who is growing in wisdom, we need to work at it. And we need to dig deep in our faith, if you will. I was thinking about that this uh, past week when Gail and I, uh, after I got back, uh, we went out to our garden and we have raspberries out in our garden. Uh, I love them. If you have ever raised raspberries or eaten them, you know uh, what they are like. And when you go to pick raspberries, you have to hunt. You have to search. You can't just go and pick kind of what's on the surface that you see. But you have to kind of push them aside and dig down deep in there. And everywhere you look, there's a new treasure, if you will, of berries. And it's kind of a fun reward, you know, as you're out there doing this because they just are uh, wonderful to eat and enjoy. And I'm digging in these raspberries and I'm thinking, you know, that's really how God's Word is. But we can come to God's Word and if we will dig and study and understand what God has to say to us, there is a rich treasure in every book and in every passage. A word from God that applies to life. And what the writer here does is, like a wise parent, the author motivates us to study God's Word, not by shoulds and oughts, not by guilt and shame, but instead he points us to the blessings that wisdom gives. And he says, if you will study God's Word, there is a rich storehouse here of treasure for you. So what are the blessings of wisdom? Well, the next five stanzas lay them out. 
He begins by telling us that one of the blessings is the knowledge of God in verses 5 to 8. He said here that, that if we will study and apply God's Word to our life, we will understand the fear of the Lord and we will find the knowledge of God. For the Lord is the one who gives wisdom and from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. He's a shield to those whose walk is blameless. He guards the course of the just and He protects the way of His faithful ones. Those who seek wisdom will find God. He tells us that then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Those two phrases are very important. For the Old Testament believer, they were kind of the uh, twin poles of Old Testament faith. Derek Kidner describes it in that way. He tells us that on the one hand, the fear of the Lord had to do with this healthy reverence and awe that we are to have toward God. God is an awesome God. He's the God who made the heavens. He's the God who rules the earth. He's the God in whom your life is in His hands. And so we are to come with this healthy reverence and awe. But on the other side, when it describes the knowledge of God, what he's talking about there is this intimate, personal relationship that we can have with God. I mean, it's amazing that this God who made the heavens knows you and me. And He knows everything about us. And we can have fellowship with Him. We can be a friend of God, even as we sang this morning. It was said of Abraham that he was a friend of God. How amazing is that? That God, our Father, God the Creator, knows us and wants to be called our friend. And so we bow before Him in reverence and awe. We give Him the respect and the honor that He is due. But we can also call out to Him as our Abba Father, our Daddy. And we can come and we can enjoy that kind of intimate relationship with God. How do we grow in that relationship? It is through obedience to His Word. In John 14:21, Jesus said, Whoever has My commands and keeps them, He's the one who loves Me. And He who loves Me will be loved by My Father, and I will love Him, and I will show Myself to Him. You catch what Jesus is saying there is that if you really want to know God and you want to show that earnestness in your heart, then you will hear and apply what God has said in your life. And the more you do them, the more you walk in obedience and fellowship with God, the more Jesus says, I will disclose Myself to you. And you will grow in your knowledge of God and your intimacy with Him. Wisdom is a gift from God. It starts with the study of His Word. And it is a safeguard to keep us from sin. He tells us here, for example, in verse 7, that He is a God who gives victory. He's a God who can enable us to triumph over sin, over Satan, over the temptations of the evil one. He's a God who can shield us and guard our ways. He's a God who provides for us. He's a God who protects us and shows us the way in which we should go. What a rich blessing it is to know Him and to be growing in our relationship with Christ. He tells us in this next stanza, in verses 9-11, to that God's Word gives us discernment for life. In verse 9, He said, Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. 
What a tremendous blessing that is. I mean, think about it. In life, we have so many choices to make. There are choices that we make about our family, about our work, about our living situations, about how we're going to use our money, what we're going to purchase or save, or how we're going to do those things. If you are a student or a young adult and you're moving into those years where you're going to go off to college, you're thinking about your career, future occupations, are you going to get married, who are you going to marry, where are you going to live, what are you going to do, all those choices. And God says that if you will call upon Me and trust Me, I will give you wisdom and discernment to understand what is right and just and fair every good path. It sounds a lot like Romans 12 too, doesn't it? That if we will yield ourselves to God, He tells us that He will show us what His will is, His good and pleasing and perfect will. And it starts with our heart again. It starts with that commitment to Christ to yield ourselves to Him and to trust Him and He will direct our steps. You see, the Bible understands that there is a wisdom that can help us in life to acquire skills and possessions. There are things that we can learn from our parents or teachers or others about certain occupations, about how to earn a living, how to develop our gifts. We can learn interests and hobbies. We can learn uh, how to take care of things around the house or cook or clean or take care of a car or how to hunt and fish or how to uh, manage a home. All of those things are practical skills and there's a wisdom that we can learn. But the Bible also says that there is a wisdom that can help us to live life well. To live in a way that is pleasing to God. To understand what it means to walk with God. Or what it means to be a good friend or a neighbor. Or a good husband or wife. To be a person of integrity and honesty. To grow in character and Christ-likeness. And the Bible appeals to us to grow in that kind of wisdom. And I would ask you, you know, which is the wisdom that you seek? And what do you put the priority on? You know, there are a lot of game shows on television today that are things like, you know, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Can you imagine a game show with the title, Who Wants to Be Good? Who Wants to Be Good? Probably wouldn't have the same kind of appeal, and yet in God's eyes... The desire to be the kind of person that lives in a right relationship with God is the most important thing of all. God desires that we be growing in Christ-like character. Blessings 3 and 4 I'm going to put together because they are similar. Uh, God promises that if we will grow in wisdom, that He will protect us from evil men. And not only that, if we grow in wisdom, we will also find protection from immoral women. He looks at these appeals in our world, the temptations that are out there, and we can kind of summarize both of these from verses 12 through 19, where he says that wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who leave the straight paths to walk in dark ways and who delight in doing wrong, who rejoice in the perverseness of evil and whose paths are crooked, and who are devious in their ways. And it will save you also from the adulteress, from the wayward wife with her seductive words, who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. For her house leads down to death, and her paths to the spirits of the dead. 
and none who go to her return or attain the path of life. If you look at these two warnings here, you'll find that both of these individuals, the evil man or the immoral woman, tempt us to leave the path of righteousness. They tempt us to walk away from God and turn aside. Both use lies to deceive and seduce. Both promise something that they can't really deliver. In fact, both of these appeal to the flesh and they promise things like easy money or gain if you go this way. Or they promise a community, but it is a false community. They say, join with our gang or join with our group and there will be a fellowship there. But it's not a fellowship that honors God. They promise sensual pleasure. They promise things like casual sex as though there's no price to be paid for that. They promise an independence that you can live your life apart from God. But can you really? And what is the result of that? When you look at both of these sections of Scripture and you see where they lead, the Bible tells us very clearly that both lead to death. A spiritual separation from God. And so here you have these temptations that are there. And in particular, it is a danger for those who are young, but they are dangers all the way through life. They come to those who are young at a time when they are vulnerable and they say, well, you don't really need to listen to your parents. You don't really need to listen to God and what He has said. Come join with us. And they pull people in both directions. And they invite them to leave the path of righteousness. All you have to do is look at the headlines and the news. Almost every day there's another story of somebody who's fallen. I think of politicians who have gotten into trouble this way. Most recently we heard the stories about the governor of South Carolina and his desire to leave his family to have an affair with another woman. It was folly. Folly to leave that position of responsibility and duty to his wife and family. And yet every day there are people that seem to take that course. I had a friend in college who came to know Christ in those years, but after college chose to set his heart on his career, wanting to advance in the work that he was doing. And he climbed the ladder of success, if you will, advancing in his career, but in the process, he lost his wife and his family. And he too fell in love with another woman and walked away from his first wife. I think about his life and it just breaks my heart. There's a sadness there when I think about our friendship and the conversations that we had had and the devastation that that has left on those who he loved. Every day it seems that there are people who turn away from God's course and the results are pain and sorrow in their life. God's Word promises to protect us if we will listen to it. The way He protects us from these kind of temptations is by the power of His Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the same instruction that God really gave to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden when He commanded them not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God could have built a fence or a fortress around that tree that would have made it impossible 
for Adam and Eve to ever get to that tree if God had so desired to do that. But the only fence that He put around that tree was His Word. And God said, trust me, obey me, and you will be blessed. Adam and Eve disobeyed, and you know the result of that, a sin entered into our world. God comes to us and He offers us the protection that His Word gives. And He says, if you will hear and listen and apply My Word, I will protect you from these temptations that are there in life. Will you listen? Will you learn? And finally, the fifth blessing that comes from wisdom is ultimately the blessing of God upon our life in verses 20 and 22. He says, Thus you will walk in the ways of good men, and you will keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land, and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the unfaithful will be torn from it. There is this reference two times to the land. The upright will live in the land, but the wicked will be cut off from the land. What's that about, or what is he talking about there? It is the language of the covenant that God made with Israel. To live in the land is to enjoy God's favor and blessing. He gave this promise that if you will walk with Me and you will walk in fellowship with Me and worship Me and honor Me, then I will bless you. And the land in which you live will be a good land. And it will prosper and it will overflow and I will guard your days and I will guard your life and your children. To live in the land is to enjoy God's favor and blessing on your life. And sometimes there are good things like life and health and prosperity. But this isn't a promise that everyone who does this is going to prosper financially. Sometimes the blessings that come, in fact, more often, are the blessings of peace and joy and victory over sin and God's favor in our life that is shown in the answers to prayer that we have or the fellowship we enjoy with other believers. There is a richness to life that comes when we walk with Him. And we see that in our homes and we see that in our daily life. Have you tasted that and do you desire that kind of blessing? To know the favor of God on your life. It's one of the greatest blessings of wisdom. Many years ago in the 1968 presidential campaign, Bobby Kennedy was running for president. And as he was running for president, he went to some of the poorest neighborhoods in our cities and nation. And in one particular day, he was in Spanish Harlem outside of New York City, and he had taken with him a former boxing champion, Jose Torres. And Torres wondered why the rich man's son came to the ghettos and worked so hard and long, often 16 hours a day in this campaign. And so back at the car, Torres asked Bobby Kennedy, why are you doing this? Why are you running for president? And Bobby replied in a very low voice, because I found out that my world wasn't the real world. That's a powerful statement. 
that this son who had grown up in such a privileged and affluent world discovered that his world wasn't the real world and that there were a whole lot of people out there who needed help and needed someone who would be a champion for them. I like that phrase and I've applied it in a little different way to our walk with God. Why do we choose to live differently? Why do we choose to live by God's values and the promises of God's Word rather than just following the course of this world and the values that it offers? I believe that that same statement can apply to us. That we have learned that this world is not the real world. We've learned that there is something better and greater and more lasting and more enduring. And that the difference we make for Christ in this world is going to carry on into eternity. The lives that we touch, the choices that we make, the investments that we make for the kingdom of God. That's what wisdom teaches us. Are we growing in wisdom? And what do we need to do to experience His blessings in our life? I would pray that all of us would be digging deep into the richness of God's Word listening to Him, applying the truth that He has given to us and walking in fellowship with Him each and every day. Let's pray. Father, as we come to Your Word this morning, we bow before You. We thank You for the truth that is there and we pray that we would be good listeners who not only hear a message or hear the Scripture, but who then take it to heart and who choose today to trust You, to honor You, and to obey You. To put into practice the Word that You have said that we might be men and women who reflect a Christ-like character, who are making good choices, who have put You first in our heart and in our life. And Father, may we like these men and women of old, experience Your favor, Your blessing, Your presence, Your joy, Your peace in our life. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.